have agreed to help us take a little different look at a wedding this morning. As we run through this little skit, think about your own wedding and how you would like to feel. What will be hiding under those fancy wedding clothes? Is this a possibility? trip or something. I hate being in front of all these people. I'll be glad when all this wedding stuff is over and life gets back to normal. Man, is that Mary? She is looking good. Mm-hmm. Eh, but Renee has a nicer body. All my friends are going to be so jealous of my woman. It's going to be so cool to show her off to all the boys. Now I'll finally be accepted for who I am, because a hot woman makes the man. Life is complete now. I have a woman all of my own. She'll always be there to provide whatever I want. I'm so glad she's not like the rest of her family. Wow, here she comes. Look at her. There he is, the man of my dreams. I'll never be lonely again. Someone who understands me. No more counseling sessions for me. Goodbye, disappointment and depression. Hey, look over there. That is, it's Dan. I miss those long walks with him. Oh, snap out of it, Renee. You're marrying John. Everything's going to be all right now. Well, as soon as I correct a few of John's bad habits, he'll be perfect. More perfect than Steve, I hope. My parents never understood me, but John does. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here this morning to solemnize the, the marriage of John and Renee. By the authority vested in me, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride. Uh, okay, thank you. So have you thought about your wedding? Have you dreamed about your wedding? How many of you maybe have been planning your wedding? You've got the colors picked out. You've got the, the um, bridesmaid or the uh, groomsmen already selected. You, you, you have a, a, a hunch of where you want to go on the honeymoon. And in fact, you probably even stepped over the line and said, I already know who it's going to be. We're not here to simply talk about that beautiful day in the future for many of you. We're here to talk about relationships as we deal with them now, <clears throat> in the present, as teenagers, as young um, uh, people in college or starting careers. And so I want this to be uh, a reality session, but I want it to be up. I want to look at some of the things that... Um, uh, will enhance our relationships with each other. I want to talk about makeup, mess up, break up, set up, and team up. Like I said, I want it to be an up type of morning. And I know that most of us are kind of tired. It's Friday morning. We've been through class, through forums. We went to bed late. We got up uh, earlier than normal. 
especially for the summertime. But let's talk about some of the things. And when I say makeup, I'm not simply talking about some of the stuff that you put on to maybe enhance your appearance. I'm talking about how are you physically made up, your makeup. And we don't have time. Probably most of you guys are already hungry, and, and, and some of you have checked out and gone to the lunchroom already. And I hope not, because uh, I want to share some very practical advice that will enhance your life. The makeup of a guy is totally different from a girl, and vice versa. And if you haven't noticed it, there's a physical difference, but there's more importantly an um, inner difference, an emotional difference, something uh, that uh, it takes a while for guys to figure out and girls to figure out. One of the things is the guy is the initiator. He is the pursuer. He is the one that's after the girl although that really has changed in the last decade because uh, I have seen so much of this stuff um, going on where uh, all, if you happen to overhear a bunch of girls talking, all they're doing is talking about guys and how they can get the guy. So, but this is the way God created us, so I'm, I'm starting from that basis. Um, <clears throat> a guy is, in his makeup, is attracted by sight. What, what, what stimulates him is sight. Conversely, a woman, a female, is, is, is stimulated by feelings and emotions. And, um, you know, some of this stuff is, 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 is not new. I learned a lot of it in college classes. You can read a lot from Dr. Dobson. They'll tell you all of this stuff. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But simply to point out that there's a difference. Now... If the guy is attracted by sight and the girl is attracted by feelings and the guy, you know, comes up to a gal and starts talking to her and communicating and, you know, giving her that special treatment and, you know, hey, how about if we go out, you know, to the movies or get a Coke or whatever? Well, pretty soon that special att attraction, that emotion is going to start building up way quicker in the young lady than it is in the guy. Now, the, uh, conversely, if the guy is attracted a lot by what he sees, and, and a lot of guys are much deeper than that, but there is that. There's, it's a stronger attraction than for a woman. And the woman is dressed to be noticed because she wants the attention. Well, you can see that we're kind of throwing a little gasoline and, and stuff upon a, uh, and, and, and walking by the flame a little too closely. That's all I want to share about the makeup. There's differences. Girls, you need to understand that what you do and what you wear and how you, how you display yourself uh, opens yourself up to advances. And conversely, guys, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later and how to deal with it. But let's say that we've kind of um, disregarded this advice before and we've gotten to the point where maybe we've messed up. And I was thinking about how do the mess-ups occur in guy-girl relationships? How do they begin? And I think it's important to, and we can't uh, take an exhaustive look at it, but what are some of the myths that young people buy into about guy-girl relationships? Let me just give you some. And I, if we had the time and, and we don't, and I'd love to hear from you uh, at some other time in the rest of camp uh, about some of the mess-ups you're aware of, maybe you personally made and would like some prayer about, uh, because this is not an exhaustive list. Myth number one, and I think this is the most significant one for, uh, for the myth, is God isn't interested in who I marry or who I relate to, who my friends are 
or who my spouse will be. That is the biggest lie that you can start to absorb into your mind now that will impact you in so many areas of your life. Myth number one, that God isn't interested. Sometimes that takes on a more uh, uh, adverse approach is, no, God's not only not interested, but I'm in charge of who I marry. I am the captain of my ship. I am the, the captain of my quote-unquote love boat. I am going to make those decisions because God really doesn't know. And in fact, maybe if I trust that to God, I might end up with somebody like Elmer Fudd. Myth number one, God is not interested. Myth number two is, and I, and I see this, and I don't know how prevalent it is among you. I don't know many of you. But I observe young people in the Worcester community. And I observe how many times around the conversation I hear things of, oh, so-and-so broke up with so-and-so. So-and-so broke up. And then, you know, I, one of my kids go, well, I, I need to go talk with so-and-so because they're having a problem in their relationship with each other. And I'm amazed at how many times they're going to help, you know, heal a broken heart, help, you know, give perspective and, and all of this because people are buying into the myth, well, high school, everybody's got a boyfriend, everybody's got a girlfriend, and that's a myth. And the myth is more importantly is I need one to have some sort of contentment or satisfaction. Not so. Myth number three, if I get into a relationship with somebody, um, more than just um, group type of relationship, but more of a one-on-one -on -one type of thing, my standards won't be lowered. That's a myth. I have seen so many young people come to ruin because they said, I'm the exception. My standards won't be lowered. And I don't care about, and I'm not talking simply about standards of, you know, that I'm going to, to go all the way with the guy or the girl. The standard is, I'm going to love God less. Why? Because I'm taking up so much of my time on the telephone and calling and nurturing this relationship that your standard of love is for God and your devotion to him and your service in the church, it's going to go. Myth number th three, my standards will not be lowered. Myth number four, it's harmless. It's just fun. We're just friends. There's no entanglement. There's no emotions. How many relationships had started out simply that way and they haven't put in check something that says, okay, wait a minute. I'm, my feelings are getting a lot more involved in here. It's time to pull back. Most of the people, most uh, the young people that I talk with and deal with are, you know, that just fuels them and they go on further and further and try to nurture this more instead of stepping back and saying, wait a minute, this, we're going ahead of, uh, way too far here. <clears throat> Myth five, the idea that, you know, as young people, we are so concerned about image. Image is everything. And as part of my image, I want to, to pursue popularity. I want to be recognized. I want to be noticed. Again, the myth is that we pursue that at no cost. That's false. Because if we are so consumed about our image, I, I told, uh, I think, the, teen, uh, the young teens earlier, in, uh, I made a, 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 an observation one time of a young man, a teenager, and this was a guy standing in front of a mirror for 15 minutes grooming himself. 
buttoning his shirt, tucking it in, leaving it out, combing his hair, checking it again, you know, seeing if there's any blemishes. You know, just that in itself was a, a lot of time consumed upon that. <clears throat> What's another myth? And, and the other one is, it, it does have a cost. I saw a t-shirt here that said, uh, even legends die. So let's assume that you become the most popular and, every, and, and, the, and you set the pace for image in your school or, or wherever you are. It says, and you become a legend in your time. It says, even legends die. Myth number uh, seven, or myth number six, we covered it. What I wear doesn't affect the opposite sex. Uh, myth number seven is, <clears throat> if I've messed up, I've gone too far, God won't forgive me, and there's no hope for me, I might as well just burn all bridges. Those are myths that lead to mess-ups and greater mess-ups. <clears throat> what I want to talk about is if you are involved in a relationship that's gone too far, and I'm seeing just emotions are being involved, and, and the entanglements are there, and it's not even a, a physical way yet. That's, that's usually the next step, but let's say you're even there, and there's that breakup. I see these young people cry, and they're hurt, and they ache. There's loneliness, so they get back in school, and there's John there, and I've been with John for the last you know, two and a half years, and now he's dumped me for uh, Angie, and how do you feel around John? You feel rejected. You, re, you feel awkward. And if you are the Christian, and I, I'm saying this, how can you possibly witness to John after maybe you've compromised and lowered your standards to a point where you are no longer the effect, uh, effectual uh, witness to him? In fact, you are in such a sorry state that you are needing a lot of help and counsel. <clears throat> Not only in a breakup or in a, in a mess up are there aches and hurts and awkwardness and rejection, there's also embarrassment. Let me tell you a true story. When I was uh, in high school, pep assembly for football season, uh, rah, 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 the band was there, 2,500 students in the stands, um, first game uh, for the season, and uh, they started out uh, all the football players are introduced, you know, they got their jerseys on, and they're ready, fired up to go, and, and the cheerleaders are over there, and they say, okay, crowd, we really want you to get into this, and we're going to have, the football players came out, they brought the quarterback, you know, the star running back, and, you know, one of the big tackles, and I think there were four or five of the guys, <clears throat> and then they blindfolded them, and then they brought out, they said, now, we're going to let you kiss your favorite cheerleader and the crowd's going wild and they and they're with anticipation they're waiting they're anxious oh this is going to be great and so they, they they bring the blindfolded football players out and they stand in a row and then secretly from behind the stands in one of the rooms they bring each of their mothers out and they come up and and they're told and they can't see a thing and they say, okay, there's your favorite cheerleader. They don't even know. Maybe they're hoping who it might be. And they start embracing and kissing their mothers in front of 2,500 people. Sick! Gross! But you know what? I want you to think about the flip side of that. Would you be embarrassed? I was embarrassed because these were my friends, and I, I was embarrassed that they would conduct themselves that way in public. But you know what happens? There was the crowd cheering them on, 
and egging them on, and so, you know, get into the flow of things, and they kind of lost sense of reason, and that's kind of what happens when you get emotionally involved with somebody. You start to lose discernment. The embarrassment part is, I want you to think about the time when you start getting involved in a guy-girl relationship that has gone farther than friendship, that has become more emotionally tied, maybe even physically. I want you to think about, guys, if you're kissing that girl, that's your mother. Girls, if you're kissing that guy, that's your dad. And, and, and go beyond that. You guys who think you can live fast and loose with how you conduct yourself, how you chase after the girl, in a sense, to conquer her and get her as a trophy. I got her to like me. Now I feel better about myself. And maybe the girl's saying, oh, I got him to like me. I feel better about myself. And then we set ourselves up after all of these pursuits, one set up after another, oh, this relationship breaks. And if you, you get to the point of your breaking relationships, you're setting yourself up for future failure, even in your marriage, because you've treated guy and girl relationships as temporary, as something of a sporting event even. <clears throat> and when you get too involved and you start kissing, just picture yourself not kissing your mom or dad. Go beyond that. What's happening in the darkness of a, of a, a room or at night in the, in, where no one else is watching is done in the full sunlight of God's throne room because God sees it all. He knows it all. He even knows what you're thinking. <clears throat> you're made up differently. Yes, we mess up. And when the breakup comes, it hurts. There's aches, there's awkwardness, there's rejection. And we're setting ourselves up for future pain. The whole skit had an idea of involvements that are coming back. Maybe the internet aspect. Maybe we're spending time on internet looking at stuff that we don't, watching TV videos. Maybe it's love notes, it's the long walks. Um, I've asked uh, Brother uh, John and Sister Renee to come up, and they're going to share something personal with you about mess-ups and breakups and aches. So I'd like you to go on, come on and come forward. I was converted when I was 16 years old, so I didn't have a lot of relationships before I was converted to have the problem of stopping. My biggest relationship was from the time I was six years old to about 12 years old when I was madly in love with a little boy across the street and we sit in the curb and kiss. But that was the extent of my sexual relationship with anyone before I was getting married. I found when I was 30 years old, this man asked me to marry him. And I was pretty excited because I had made a pact with God when I was early in my 20s when I figured hope was lost. I think I was like 22 or 23. And I figured all the good guys were gone and all the cute ones were gone that um, I was in pretty desperate shape. So I made a pact with God that I'd be happy, content, work with the youth group, put my heart into it, and he's going to save me a good one. Well, this guy shows up out of the blue and I didn't even know he existed. And um, 
after his conversion and all, he did ask me to marry him in, in the old tradition way. He's from Windsor. He went through the elders and the ministers and to the point where I, I got called by my elder into, this, my, into my Sunday school room. I had um, the four, five, and six-year-olds. We had a little table and little chairs. And um, the elder comes in. Another elder comes in. The minister from his church comes in. Min two ministers from my church come in. <coughs> then my dad and mom come in. And then I really wasn't sure what was happening because I had thought that it was a proposal, but all of a sudden I really wasn't sure. I thought I was in big trouble. And then um, I asked the guys to sit down, and they said no, and I said, okay, I'll sit. And then um, one of the brothers asked if, um, if, uh, he, if I knew John Horn and that he wanted to marry me, and the expression on my face led to a conversation that said, do you know John Horn? And yes, she, know, she knows John Horn. He's here every Wednesday night for church. And my dad said, yes, and he comes to our house for dinner every Wednesday before church, and because I was really surprised. And um, so after um, several weeks, I mean, I, I took a couple of days to ask him, but I mean to answer, but um, after we were engaged for a couple of weeks, um, we were sitting at his kitchen table in his house, and I remember there was even water boiling. And um, he said something about my big sister, Patty. And I says, I don't have a big sister, Patty. I have a little sister, Patty. And he says, so how old are you? <laughs> so he said I was 30 years old. And he says, oh, do you know how old I am? I says, yeah, you're 25. But I thought you knew. And he says, no. And I says, well, you know, we've, it's only two weeks. We can cancel. We can stop if this makes a difference. And he said, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And I said, okay. Well, that's my surprise. And then um, he said something that um, really surprised me. He said um, that he has a son or daughter in heaven. A couple of years ago, I, um, I, I know my, probably more than a couple of years ago, four or five years ago at, at junior college, um, I had the grade, uh, the, uh, the 14, 14 year old class. And what I did <clears throat> is I kind of put um, a garbage bag together, almost the same way that we did here today with the, the luggage. Um, Renee, as you can see, doesn't carry much luggage. I carry a lot of luggage, and as a matter of fact, at that at that time, what I did is I, um, it was garbage. Um, I went and I gathered some garbage together and I brought it into class. <clears throat> and I showed him um, what, this is the stuff that I carry with me um, emotionally, um, in my mind. And I believe that's what it is. It, it's the, the scars, the, the memories that I have. It's the luggage that I carry with me. I, I, I carry luggage. That's a physical thing that we did earlier with the skit. But myself, I, I carry luggage emotionally. The, the memories that I carry of what had happened to me, what's happened to me. And what I did is when I brought this into class, I, I kind of, um, it was a, I remember pulling out a chocolate bar, a box of, uh, um, a box of cookies, a, a, a jug of, of, uh, of orange juice, 
And then in the bottom, I reached down and I pulled out, it was a, it was a cassette box about that big. <clears throat> and in it was dirt, uh, which I classified as the stuff that um, was the dirt in my life that I shared. And I took the box and I opened it up and I dropped it on the floor and I let everything inside fall out of it. And it represented the garbage that was in my, my, my life. What I wanted to do and, and what I, I've been led to pray about even about this presentation, is that, Lord, if I can, in any way, shape, or form, any one of you is there, any one of you is out here, I don't want you to carry that garbage. I, made a, I went to church camp, I made a commitment at 12, I came back again at 14, it lasted a while, I went back home, it, it went away. From the age of 14 to the age of 26, that's where I created my baggage. My baggage, was, it wasn't a girlfriend named Mary. Um, it, it was a girlfriend named, um, I a number of girlfriends. But the baggage that I carry, it's real. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not boasting. Don't, don't take me wrong for boasting. But yeah, you know, the, the things that, that, I might, I, that I did, um, that Lori was one of them in particular, that... Um, is a part of my baggage that I carry. And a lot of times when things come back and you start thinking and comparing to, to Renee, well, was Lori like that? Or, or well, Renee's, well, well, Renee's better. Um, and the things, the comparisons that battle in your mind, I don't want you to carry. I'm trying to do this so you will not take it with you. You don't need to take it with you. Keep it. Keep it away from you. You don't need to carry it with I plead with you. I pray about you. Don't do it. Make your decision. Paul counted Timothy lucky that he had made an early commitment in his life. That in essence, he didn't have to carry that baggage with him. To be thankful that he, he had his virtues with him. And I'm, I'm saddened to say that I didn't keep myself for Renee that my gift to her. But what I did is when I became a Christian, I recommitted myself to my virginity and, and that I would save it up for her and her alone. And I want each one of you to take that gift to your spouse, whoever it be. Hang on to that gift. Don't let it go. It's precious. And least of all, I say, don't pick up a suitcase. Don't find a handbag. Don't start filling it up. Stop. Don't let it happen. I don't know some of you, your personal lives, probably, many of you I don't know, except for maybe some of the kids back home that were, have gone through my Sunday school. Don't find a shopping bag. Don't find a suitcase. Don't find a backpack. And don't start filling it up. I pray that you don't do that. Learn. Learn from my mistakes. Please. If it's the least thing I can do. And Richard, I thank you for the opportunity that us to share this. Can I say one more thing? I, I always have something else to say. Um, John's baggage isn't just John's baggage. It is now my baggage also. When I found out what happened, I have to go through this daily balance of being glad and being sad and being ashamed that I'm glad. Let me explain this a little bit. 
there's a lady at our church. I don't have permission to say her name, so I won't. And I'm going to do my best not to let you know. But she knew when she married a man that he had an illegitimate daughter. Now, she said fine when they started their marriage life together. She had children. She didn't bother telling her children. Her children were grown when there was a phone call saying, hi, I'm in town, I'd like to see Dad. This woman didn't want to accept that. She, she's going through a terrible time. Her children have to battle whether they're going to accept this girl or not, whether they're going to be on their mom's side of, no, we shouldn't have anything to do with this person, or to be on the dad's side, whereas this is my flesh and blood. I see that happening. I also know in my heart that abortion is wrong. That baby died. This baby died because of sin. And I feel really bad when I'm glad I don't have to go through that other situation because the baby's not here. But I'm ashamed when I feel that gladness. So be careful. Thanks. Real, real quickly in closing, that after all that's happened and everything, it's God's grace to discover the scars. It's God's grace that he's given me to even be here today. And it's, it's by his grace and mercy that I've come to him and repented of it. But like I say, the baggage is still there, the baggage I carry, the baggage of a lost child, the baggage of a girlfriend. I became, it's funny that number seven kind of sticks out in my mind, um, going too far. Um, and, and each one that, that um, Brother Richard went through, um, I, I went, went and did a metal picture and just kind of checked each one off. And I'm going, yep, 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 yep. Um, and I'm sorry I did. And I, uh, I still carry that baggage. And I just pray that you don't pick up the bags and don't start filling them up, please. It's reality. Mess-ups are happening all the time. But I'm thankful that he did touch about the grace of God and the forgiveness that's there, but there's still scars. Talked about the, the makeup. Talked about setting yourself up for failure. We talked about breakups. We talked about the embarrassments that it brings, the awkwardness and the rejections. <clears throat> I want to talk about the last thing of team up. Because this is what will enable you to handle yourself in any relationship, a guy and girl relationship. It will enable you to prepare if God desires that for you for marriage. And that's not for everybody. There is a sweeter song of singleness. And each one of you here have that opportunity for that song right now in your singleness, which is a devotion to God and God alone. And so when I say team up, I'm talking about, in priorities, team up with God. He needs to be number one. 
You know, stop making a top 10 list. You don't think that happens nowadays? I know personally of someone who was proposed to who was number 10 on the list. And this, this young man had made, and number 10 being the best, 10, 9, 8, 7, and had a list of girls all the way down. And, and, and to, to show you how idiotic it is, he went and asked number 10, and at the same time told 9, 8, and 7 that I'm asking number 10. Well, 10 said no. Then he went to 9, and they're saying, man, are you brazen? Forget it. Take a hike. You know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. How do you approach it? Another sitting around the table yesterday talking with uh, young couples about um, different things that they experienced or especially some of the young sisters. One mentioned my first proposal that I got went like this. I got it. I knew who, who the name was. And so if somehow, whether through mail or some direct contact, I think it was, or through maybe an elder, why is it that you're asking for me? You know what the response was? Because you have long hair. Wow, that's deep, guys. That's really deep. Well, I can see you're going to be the spiritual head of your house. Are you really committed to a relationship with God first and with the spouse, the woman, <clears throat> who is to be the bride because her hair is long? Or maybe it's a different color. Or I, the young lady wisely went out and cut her hair off right away. But it, it so unnerved her that someone would make a proposal like that that she, it took her a long time and a lot of prayers to really settle that issue with God. She didn't want to be engaged or marry somebody whose spiritual depth was there. Teaming up with God. He has to be first. That means he has to be meeting your needs now in your singleness. You are not reliant upon getting together with you know, a guy. You're not even with all of the girls or all of the guys together or a whole group. It's not, you're not dependent upon social interaction with everybody. Oh, it's good and healthy and helpful, especially in youth groups. But you know what? If youth group went away, if all of my friends went away, if that guy went away, I'm still happy and content with God because I know him. He's my friend a contentment and a satisfaction with him. Listen to this. When God is the center of your life and of your focus, you know what begins to happen? You are developing permanent characteristics and virtue and fruit that are permanent. Now think about this. If the guy is doing this and the girl is doing this, what's going to be attractive? It's going to be the presence of God in the person, the fruit that they're bearing in their lives. And you know what? When the, the attraction starts happening there at that level, praise God because it's permanent. It's not temporary. If my attraction is to the young lady because of what she wears and how she walks and how she looks like and how she wears her hair. I, I know a true story of one of the most beautiful women uh, in, the, you know, that, uh, in this area. It was, happened to be in the northwest of uh, the USA. Gorgeous. 
she was a model and she had lots of, uh, of uh, advertisement type things and everybody recognized her. She'd walk in the room and heads would spin. She got married. The guy married her for the looks. She didn't know that. Maybe, maybe she did, but maybe she thought she'd change. You know, like, uh, oh, I can change his bad habits. She was involved in a terrible car accident. To disfigured her face for life. Scars, permanent. Oh yeah, there could be many corrective surgeries, but nothing would restore the beauty. The guy tried, he struggled, he tried to love her, but you know what? They, he came together with the idea that it was looks. And so he finally said, this isn't working out, I'm out of here. She was devastated. What is going to, what should you be looking for and attracting you in the other, in the opposite sex? Is it something permanent, like the fruit of God's spirit? Or is it something temporary? God has to be number one. You need to be able to entrust him for everything. As I mentioned, even taking the pen and saying, God, you have full authority to make the decision for me, to lead me in that plain path. If I've got somebody in my mind, forget it now, I give it back to you. I don't want to go on this my own. You know, and I think Solomon was wise in the sense, you know, when, when God says you can choose anything, he says, well, who am I to choose? I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm supposed to lead your people. And he says, God, I need you. And so if you're thinking about relationships, what you ought to be saying, is it Sally, Joan, Lisa, Lori, Melanie, uh, Melissa, or whatever, or John, Ed, Bob, Steve? No, it's God. The focus is him and him alone. Teaming up with God. You need to commit and live with eternity in mind. This is, this is a positive thing. Because if you're single at 16, what is the likelihood of you getting married by the end of the year? Pretty remote. Why not be living with eternity in mind in the sense of, how can I be impacting eternity? Are my decisions in school or my, uh, in my career and the courses I take and the amount of homework I do? How is this impacting eternity in a sense? Am I preparing myself so I can be very good or the best that I possibly can with the gifts that God has given me so not only can I provide for a family, but know that in that family life I can serve God even more effectively? In my job, in my career, service to God first. That's living with eternity in mind, with God as your teammate. <clears throat> the other aspect is guys and girls. But I'm going to talk to the guys first. Especially the brothers in Christ. And those who want to be part of God's family. Notice this. That marriage is a temporary relationship. There's no marriage in heaven. But your relationship with a sister here on earth is eternal. So how you treat every sister is eternal. Are you leading them on? Are you giving them cues? Are you maybe just becoming too involved? That's eternal. So you're affecting them for eternity by how you conduct yourselves. And girls too. You're not uh, uh, excused from that. When you're dressing to kill, so to speak, to attract the attention of every eye and every guy in the room... You are affecting some eternally, whether they're a brother or, uh, in the Lord or not. 
So it, it really amazes me, it startles me at how sometimes you carry yourself. One of the things that I covered with my wife from the first time, I said, you know, I said, honey, you've you got to get rid of this and this and this and this. Out went the bikinis. Out went, you know, the really tight-fitting things. I says, you don't know what that does to a, a young guy. She had no clue. She looked at me almost, you know, like it wasn't registering. And it took a while for her to really see it. Just watch what happens. Watch the other guy watching the girl and see what happens. Just, you know, drive down the street. There's an attractive girl walking down the street and then start looking at everybody on the sidewalk for driving by. You know, I mean, they're almost swerving off and hitting the light pole. Now, I'm not saying make yourself ugly, but why? Why would you try to attract in a provocative, sensuous way? And, you know, and listen, the lines are so blurred and, you know, there's so much a loss of, 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 of what is appropriate. In fact, you try to go and buy something, and I can emphasize with you, young sisters, you go and try to buy something that's decent in the store, even to wear to church, and you, your, your selection is about half a percent of what's available. And it takes a lot of work, but do it. Teaming up with God. Also, and I said about that, about a commitment to honor them as a sister or a brother in the Lord, because it's permanent. Then also, I want you to team up with your parents. Ooh, wait a minute. Mom and dad are the ones that are applying the brakes all the time. Well, maybe for a good reason. But I look back, and I'm so thankful for the advice that my mom gave me. And it wasn't once, and I remembered it. She gave it to me every time she thought she saw me going in that direction of being attracted. Make sure, make sure that who you choose is the one God wants for you. And she didn't just stop it there. She said, why? Because it will affect, it will impact your ability to serve the Lord. And if you're committed to God, choose the right one that God has brought into your path. Oh, there were times when she said, and she put the brakes on, she put the flashlight on when I wanted it to be dark, and she said, you're going too far. And my emotions said, oh, I can't stand this. But I would stop and say, okay. And I knew deep down that she was right. And sometimes it was hard. But Christian living is disciplined living, and not everything is just a walk in the park. Include your parents. If they're not, you know, in the faith, you still have others. You know what, guys? Girls, include siblings. Your own. You might, guy, you might ask, how am I behaving to your sister? How am I behaving with others, young women? Am I conducting myself in the right way? And girls, to brothers. Now, I know, you know, that's not really the, the normal channel, but it's a helpful one, because why? This reason. Guys, uh, I mean, girls, if you're looking for a guy and you want someone who's godly and going to love you and care for you, even when you, you, know, you have those head-on collisions, so to speak, look at how they treat their mom, how they treat their sister. If they're, you know, mean, disrespectful, what do you think is going to happen around the house? Girls, how is, how, how is the guy treating the others? Think about that, how they treat their uh, siblings. Team up with parents, team up with siblings, with 
uh, your youth pastors and ministers. I want to wrap this up. I know we're hungry, but I want to talk about the sweeter song, and that is your relationship with God. He's got to be number one, and you know what? It doesn't matter if you never have a friend or you never get married because it's a sweeter song. Oh, I'm not saying live the life of a hermit, but you can exist because your relationship with God. And maybe he's going to take you through the valley of singleness for a while until he's worked you over so that you're ready for marriage and that special one that he wants to bring in your life. We don't have time for some uh, my own personal testimonies and experiences, but I I do want to leave you with this last thought. I have the ability that you don't to glance in the rearview mirror and see life as it's happened for my peers. And without exception, and I'm not talking about one or two, I'm talking about dozens. Without exception, even those in the church who who refuse the counsel of parents and ministers and siblings and said, this isn't right. And they pursued and gone ahead in their own way. I see them now as divorced I hear them about dealing with their hurts and their breakups and just the the mess that their life exists because of that. Don't make the mistake. John talked about taking baggage with you. Be teachable. Be humble. If you really want to succeed in your relationships with one another, make God your priority. Live with eternity in mind. Don't buy into the myths that are out there about, you know... I, I, I won't compromise my standards, or I won't go so far. Enjoy each other's company in the company of many. But don't be looking with a narrow view. Looking, give the decision of all relationships to the creator. And if you want to know how to relate to the, to the opposite sex, learn to relate to the creator of the opposite sex. And it will be beautiful. It will be beneficial. It will be God-honoring and strengthening in your life. Now, some of this material, there's a lot of material on this. Um, the, the forum was originally entitled, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, I am really not at all a proponent of dating in the sense of one-on-one, seeing, is this going to work out? Uh, maybe we'll try that. It just sets you up for failure. Again, your attraction should be on the permanent things the fruit that that young man or woman is displaying. And you know what's going to happen if marriages start happening at that level in the church all over? We're going to have you know, a, um, a revival that will explode because we're not going to start our marriage on something, less, on something temporary. We're going to start it on something permanent. And so if you're building on something permanent, obviously the things that are going to come out of it are going to be permanent and, and a glory to God. I think too often, even in the churches today, there's been too little thought about, is God in this, or is it just my heart and emotions? I, I have a copy of a book that I read. Uh, in fact, it was, given, it was given to my children as a Christmas present from my sister. It's entitled, When God Writes Your Love Story. Um, I didn't read it 
But after my, my oldest son picked it up and read it almost uh, Christmas Eve through Christmas morning, I think he finished it sometime during Christmas Day, I said, well, what do you think of it? And he says, it was a good book. Well worth reading. Uh, we have s several copies on the table. Um, you're welcome to that. Um, our cost was a little over $10. We'd like to get it back, but that's not the most important thing. If you're going to take it, I want you to read it and maybe reread it and then share it with somebody else. But most importantly, that's a helpful book. Get into the book of all books, God's eternal word. As uh, we covered in my 16-year-old class, God said in his word, I have exalted my name. I've exalted my word above my name, and at his name every knee shall fall. Every tongue shall confess that he is God. And if he's saying my word is even higher than that, ought it be a priority in your lives. Um, I, I think I will dispense with questions and answers, and I'll just make myself available here, or my wife, or John and, uh, and Renee. Um, if you have questions or comments, or criticisms. I'm, I'm big enough to take it. With that, I'll dismiss you to lunch. Thanks for your attention and being here.